0: Yub Nub, each out the Yub
1: Hello, welcome to Yupcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie, and I wasn't a stormtrooper-wise
2: ass. Yeah, my name is Matt, and I am the Senate.
1: <laughs> Very uh, timely. So, uh, we haven't uh, put on an episode for a while, but we wanted to throw something out there quickly to talk about the Rise of the Skywalker, which came out technically today but if you're lucky you got to see it yesterday
2: which we were before we go any further i want to clarify that your quote is bill burr correct
1: or mayfield
2: yeah I mayfield saw, or Mayfield. mayfield i think i saw a mock up action figure of him <laughs> did you see it <laughs> no it was a uh, star wars the r's <laughs> were replaced with h's and there was a dunkin donuts coffee mug <laughs> <laughs> yeah i we both love that character but it's it's funny to poke it's fun to poke fun right yeah so like jamie said this is a another supplemental episode we're not going to review a cartoon we're going to review a the rise of skywalker and for anyone who hasn't seen it yet um stop listening because we're not going to be yeah. careful at all
1: not at all
2: you have about three seconds before i tell you that rays a palpatine oops
1: so and I just wanna say that that we had called that one a while ago. Um, that when we were like when um when it first came out, we were trying to figure out like who's Ray, who's Ray, who's Ray. And one of the things that we uh, thought about, well maybe she's related to Palpatine somehow. Like she's like a long lost grandniece or something.
2: I'm pretty sure you said niece or something like that. Or yeah. Grandniece or something but yeah, it wasn't I... was an earlier episode. If I cared, I would look it up, but it's definitely in our in our back catalog. Jamie said yeah. that she might be Palpatine's niece. So, so I thought we could start our conversation just by really quickly taking a temperature of what we both thought about the movie. Um, it's no secret that these Disney-era saga films are pretty controversial in fandom and have spun off a lot of, horrible fan sub-communities, including some fascist, sexist groups. But uh, I think we've managed to stay above that. And I wanted to, just before we get into any of it, ask you what you thought of the movie without any plot summary, just your impressions walking out of the theater. Impressions walking out. I liked it. I
1: liked it a lot, but I'm still kind of riding on that high. I uh, We talked about this before, where I, I'm... I'm easily swept up into things and it's not till later that I'm like, wait a second. Like I enjoyed transformers Four when I was in the theater, it wasn't until the drive home that I was just like, wait, wait a minute. You know? And it's like, this doesn't make any freaking sense at all. Um, So I, I, I'm still writing high. I still, I still enjoy it. You know, I'll have to take a second viewing to see if I'm like, you know, it's just, I'm enjoying it because it's star Wars or, not, but I didn't have the reaction of the Force Awakens where I was just like, what the what the hell is this? This is terrible. You know, I I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was a pretty good movie. Well, um,
2: okay. So then, uh, what about you? Uh, leaving, I had an overall pretty positive impression. And then I hung out at a bar with a friend of mine, and talked about it. And the more I thought about it and talked about it, the more I liked it. Let's say the first. Like 45 minutes of the movie, I was completely wrapped in it, and the movie so fast-paced in the beginning, it's hard to breathe. But uh, overall, I really enjoyed it, and I think it's probably my favorite out of the seven, eight, nine right now. That being said, I've seen it once, and that was last night. So I'm seeing it again this weekend. Do you have plans to see it again?
1: Yes. I don't know if I'm gonna have to t- if I'll have to take the boy again, or if I can just slip out and go by myself. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely going. I'm definitely going to go see it uh, over the weekend or uh, over the whole break. Yeah, overall I liked it. There are some things I wish you know they didn't do. They kind of kind of uh, spat in the face of canon a little bit for some things, but um, Star Wars tends to do that, and they always find a way around it. Uh, you know, just retconning. You know, uh, by uh, technicality. I think I this, like,
2: this movie opens up a lot of possibilities for retconning. Uh, oh yeah, but,
1: and retconning, and I'm I'm excited for that, especially with the you know the the Palpatine and the Sith fleet reveal um, and just the Sith religion in general. But there's just like little things that were just kind of like bugged me. You find out that Poe Dameron was a spice smuggler, but mm, how could he have been because he was. He was in the Navy. He's the, he's, he was like the equivalent of Maverick in the Navy, and he got recruited by Leia Organa to join the Resistance. So how could he be a, a drug runner basically and then, and then join the Resistance? So I'm sure they'll retcon it like somehow that he was uh, doing it while he was still in the Resistance or something like that. And I also thought for certain that Luke's X-Wing was missing a wing.
2: Yeah, uh, so, because of the door Yeah, to I, his hut. We we talked about that over our text after the movie ended, and we both thought that. So that's something we're going to have to revisit and see why we both thought that and where that source material is. Um, do you want to walk through the plot real quick? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll
1: miss something, but we'll just try to hit the basic beats because it, it is a long
2: movie. So the movie obviously opens up with The Crawl, and... The crawl immediately starts talking about Palpatine. It starts, the dead speaks, Palpatine sent the galaxy a message, and everybody's terrified. Uh, It says Leia is training Rey to be a Jedi, and Kylo Ren is in search of the Emperor, because he wants to end the threat to the First Order, and he interprets the Emperor as a threat to the First Order. And so we open up the action on Kylo Ren, basically on this quest. It's almost smash cutting its way through this quest where he's slaying a bunch of nameless people in a village. He gets this looks like a Sith holocron almost. And then he's flying his TIE fighter um, to different places. And then he ends up at the Sith temple where he ends up on this planet that we don't know the name of yet at a place that is similar to a Sith temple.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, um, as he goes there, then this is part of the clip that was uh, released that um he starts to hear voices and then there's he's just like in a lab and he starts talking with a hooded figure and the um the hooded figure pretty much tells him that you know that he's been in charge this whole time he made snoke snoke was just some sort of clone there's actually you see a vat with a a couple uh snoke's just floating in them and the emperor has a huge fleet and he just needs kylo ren um and he, he he's pretty much offering kylo ren the galaxy which is very unlike palpatine
2: yeah um, you 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 have to probably assume knowing the character that what he's telling kylo ren is a lie right he mm-hmm. wants he wants kylo ren to go get Rey for some reason and he says to, he says, Palpatine says to Kylo Ren that you don't know who she is. And we don't hear the truth in this moment, but Palpatine tells Rey, or Palpatine tells Kylo something. I was going to say, one of my favorite things in this scene is the huge fuck you to the audience about Snoke. If um, we've talked about Snoke a lot in previous episodes, and there was even an episode where I said, everyone's complaining about they don't know anything about Snoke, but you don't know anything about Palpatine either. So who, why should we care so much about Snoke? and in this movie palpatine literally says like who snoke i made that fool there's three of them right yeah. there <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're just like laying in these tanks and there's like three or th- two or three of them just sitting there i thought that was hilarious like was like fuck you fans you guys <laughs> yeah. want to know who Pal? You guys want to know who snoke is apparently he's a puppet yeah i got a ton of them i can make as many snokes as you want guys mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah and palpatine we should point out that he looks like a corpse. Oh, yeah. It's zombie Palpatine, right? His he's, eyes are all fucked up. His hands are incomplete.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he's hooked up to some machine. It kind of reminds me of if you've ever seen Captain EO, um, the, the main like bad guy or uh, villainous at the end, uh, Captain EO.
2: Good good poll.
1: <laughs> then the heroes are going to it's this big like ice it's not a planet. It's just this huge, like, block of ice, and there's—I want to say there, there's probably like some sort of base inside of it. And this is also in uh, the trailers. And they—they—they they, they slip in, and then they find out there's a uh, there's a mole in the first order, and they feeds
2: them some data, and they get the data, and they escape. Yeah. So the guy that gives them the data. Is this cool-looking horned alien? He sort of has like these four horns on his head. His name is Bolio, and he's an Ovisian. And Ovisians show up in the novels sometimes, but uh, like it's in in Battlefront and Force Collector and those things. But uh, I really like the design of this guy, and and he somehow has this message from this mole, who they don't know the identity of at all. And there's some fast flying and pose flying the. Falcon with Chewie and Finn. So that's a configuration we haven't seen in the Falcon before. Mm -hmm. So they basically hyper, hyperspace their way home through a scene. I don't super enjoy the hyperspace jumping, but whatever, it's fine.
1: Right. Yeah. So this is probably where, you know, we might make some mistakes (laughs) because it was a long movie, but they find out that Caloran is working with uh, Palpatine and Palpatine's alive on this planet called exegol exegol it's basically a sith planet maybe the sith homeworld i don't know i don't know or is that supposedly mortaban anyway it's a sith planet that's on the unknown regions it's very hard to get to and the only way to get to it is with these uh sith wayfinders and there's only two of them and kylo ren obviously he has one so they they go to try to find the second one.
2: Right. So so when when Poe, we go back up for one second. When Poe gets back to the base, we see Rey being trained by Leia in the ways of the Force. She basically decides to go on this quest to find the Sith Wayfinder, and they have a lead, but not a not a great lead. Um so they're going to go to this planet uh where Luke was looking for the sith wayfinder and it's written down in the um, jedi books that she took from the tree before it was destroyed in the last jedi
1: so they get to the planet and they're um, they they get there right in the middle of a a humongous festival that happens every 42 years it's essentially it seems like a like an alien diwali
2: did you catch the reference though? Every forty-two years.
1: No, no, I, I didn't. Oh, I mean, I heard that, but. Deep Do you have an a... answer for you?
0: Yes, but you're not going to like it. It doesn't matter. We must know it.
2: All right. The answer to the ultimate question of life, the
0: universe, and everything is. Forty-two. Forty-two?
2: Yes, yes, I thought it over quite thoroughly. It is, it's 42. It would have been simpler, of course, to have known what
0: the actual question was.
2: Yeah, so the the Festival of Ancestors, or whatever it's called, happens every 42 years. And the first Star Wars movie was released 42 years ago.
1: Oh, wow, okay. That's awesome. They get there, and... They're immediately found out. Um, they end up getting help, and it turns out that Lando is there, and Lando gives them help, and kind of points them in the right direction. And then there's a there's a big uh, escape uh, scene from the First Order, which a lot of the uh, trailers have, where the they're on like the stormtroopers are on like these kind of like these tracked speeder bikes, and our heroes are on these other speeder bikes. And then the stormtroopers have jet packs, and they they finally get away. They end up sinking in it was essentially quicksand, and they end up falling into this these tunnels, which obviously some creature made.
2: Yeah, I like this effect a lot. It it was very. Um, there's other sci-fi and fantasy things where people fall through quicksand and end up in a cave of sorts. It happens in labyrinth, right? And it happens in. Um, Dooku Jedi lost they fall they think they're sinking and they fall into a huge cave where the witches are right and they torture Dooku and sifo Um mm-hmm. and so this is I really like this part of the movie and when they're in the cave they're exploring they're trying to find um, this old ship that this explorer was looking for um, the wayfinder himself and they find his body or his bones that is, but they also find this giant worm, sort of trimmer, sort of worm, that...
1: like Kind of like a a snake, or like a uh,
2: dune sandworm. Yep.
1: And this explains why, or at least in my mind, why they released the Mandalorian on Wednesday instead of Friday is because the snake is injured, and Rey uses the exact same technique that Baby Yoda Yoda, or (laughs) Yiddle or what are we, what are we calling him now? Or baby Yeezus? Yeezus. <laughs> Yeezus. <laughs> um, the, the healing technique um, on the snake. And it's basically, it's kind of like pulling the, uh, like, like the mouse and the
2: lion where yeah, the Dam- mouse, Damocles pulling the, the thorn out of the lion. I think the lion's name is Damocles, right? So the mouse, and the lion fable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Precisely yeah. that. Right. So Ray has the same power that baby Yoda has where he, she can lay hands on and heal, like right? her and Billy Graham, right? For those yeah. televangelists. Uh, so she does this, and the snake is happy and leaves them alone. Um, but this is something that happens a few times in this movie, where you find out that um, force healing is a thing.
1: Right? Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's always been a thing, and pretty much it will always be a thing. Now, it was in some of the games, but now, hey, it's real. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. No, but um, you find out it definitely like, it has a price. Like Baby Yoda passed out after doing it.
2: Ray, Ray is able to explain to the audience exactly what she's doing, right? She mm-hmm. says, like, like, oh, I'm transferring some of my life force to it, right? Um, I just did a quick search for force healing. It is only in The Mandalorian and The Rise of Skywalker as well as the video game Star Wars Uprising, which I think is the basically mobile phone game. But if you click on the legends, it is in fucking everything. There are thousands of citations for Jedis being able to heal each other.
1: Oh yeah, um, I would have not gotten through Knights of the Old Republic without <laughs> that ability.
2: <laughs> yeah, Knights, Knights of the Old Republic, KOTOR's on here. New Jedi Order, every single issue of New Jedi Order is on here. Yeah, there's yeah. probably 200 books that cite force healing as a power.
1: You know, after she heals the snake, the snake moves away and it reveals a place where they can get out. So they, they get out of the hole and they go towards the, the the hunter's ship. He was a Jedi hunter and I originally thought that, ooh, like an Inquisitor, but he, he's not. And uh, Ray has a premonition about the ship while everybody's going to the ship, she starts to walk away into just a big dune area.
2: Yeah, she senses something over there. I want to ask you about your impression of the movie at this point, because when she sees the ship and she says it looks familiar, it immediately clicked for me what was going to happen with her and the ship. Um, And I was curious what you were thinking at this moment.
1: Yeah, I thought that she would... I didn't really recognize the ship, but I figured it had something to do with... Uh, her leaving because they've only shown one memory of her as a as a child and it's of a ship leaving and and then on car plot uh or plot grabbing her so you know for me that was you know i figured it it had to do with her uh, backstory somewhere somehow
2: yeah there's something about seeing the ship Or even before that happened, when I first saw the ship, I was like, oh, that sort of looks like the ship from, like, a piece of the puzzle that's going to tie it all together. So one thing we sort of left out is the Knights of Ren have been activated at this point, and they're on the hunt as well. And so Rey is wandering out into the desert, and I think this is the teaser trailer we saw from Celebration, where Mm -hmm. the TIE fighter is flying over the desert, and she does that sort of crouching tiger hidden dragon flip, and cuts the panel off of one of one of the panels off of the TIE fighter and it explodes in a beautiful mm-hmm. explosion.
1: Yeah, that was, um, that was great. Well, we should say that they're um, back up a little bit that they had found a dagger on the body. <clears throat> Chewie was carrying the dagger and Chewie went out to, to get Ray and Chewie gets captured by the Knights of Ren and the first order. And he's being put on a transport and they can't, you know, they can't do anything about it kylo ren appears out of the you know out of the wreckage and you know he's walking towards ray and there's they're kind of squaring off a little bit then you see the transport go and i'm not sure if she realizes that Chewie's on it or not yeah and she and like and this is probably like one of my favorite scenes of the movie where she just grabs it and holds on to the And holds on to the transport.
2: It's very, it's very Star Killer, right? To grab a ship. I mean, and I mean Star Killer from Force Unleashed, not Star Killer Base from The Force Awakens. Grabbing a ship as it's taking off is very Force Unleashed.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like extremely powerful stuff. And then Kylo Ren is kind of doing the opposite, trying to. Well, I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's he's going against her, probably trying to help it go and then you can see she's visibly straining and then she just, just really just kind of like reaches in digs down deep and just like like pulls but what she ends up doing is she shoots force lightning and it just shoots into the transport and it it it, it explodes Explode.
2: <laughs> and it just explodes like this was terrifying um
1: yeah my son looked at me like and I kind of looked at him like oh no
2: oh Jesus they killed <laughs> Julie <laughs>
1: And like I, I was just like, um, I'm okay with him dying, I guess, because you know he's, hmm, I mean he's, he, I mean, they all have to die eventually. But it's just kind of like, oh man, oh man, uh, so this is you yeah. know like this is like like the equivalent of like finding out there's no Santa Claus. It's just kind of like he's just the, the lovable character. You can't just kill him off like that.
2: It's like it's like the dog, right? You can't show someone kick, kicking the dog and mm-hmm. have them be a good character. And I was terrified in this moment because I 100% believed Chewie was dead. Yeah. Like, I had no doubt in this moment that Chewie was dead. Although I do, spoiler alert, he's not dead. Um, I do remember that there were two transports when they were landing. So they did set it up that there were two. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see which one was taking off when she destroyed it but also it's like that moment let's let's play it out chewie's dead and ray killed him
1: yeah that's a that's a that's a path to the dark side
2: big time that is that is such a like talk about a fuck you audience moment like i've 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 been saying like they're not going to make her bad because of all those little girls in disneyland dressed up like her Mm -hmm. like holy shit like walking up to the line like that Right. And letting your audience believe, even for five minutes, that Ray killed Chewie mm-hmm. with force lightning. That was the other thing. I was like, holy shit. Like, what is happening? Because I know in, in Legends, at least in the Plagueis book, it says you have to be hit with force lightning in order to get that power. Which opens up this huge chicken and an egg argument about force lightning. <laughs> right. Where did the, where did the first force lightning come from? Yeah. But, uh... It was a very, very powerful moment for me, and that was sort of—we might be 30 minutes into the movie, and I'm like 100% on board at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. It's really the K-2SO death moment for me. When I was watching Rogue One and they killed K-2SO, I was like, everything is on the table.
1: Oh yeah, when they when when K-2 when K-2SO died, I realized, oh, nobody's surviving. That's when I realized that they're they're going for it.
2: Yeah, and when Chewie dies, like supposedly dies, I had the exact same reaction. I'm like, everybody's going to die. Yeah. Or anybody can die at this point.
1: Our hero's escape of, uh, on the, uh, the the Jedi Hunters, I can't remember his name, uh, his, um, his spaceship. There is a, an inscription on that dagger, and C-3PO was able to read it, but because of his programming,
2: he can't. He,
1: he's he read the sith but he can't translate it he's not allowed to
2: I thought that this detail was fascinating and a really clever plot device and inc- and incredibly annoying
1: yeah I can I can totally uh, get behind that so they have to find a kind of a droid smuggler or not a droid smuggler but just uh, somebody who does uh, black market
2: um, yeah he's like a he's like a droid um, hacker, hacker or droid, droid, some sort of like secondhand droid um, smuggler or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a hacker is probably the best description. Yeah. This is you're talking about Babu Frick.
1: Yeah, and so they go to the planet that he's on, and it's 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 already under First Order occupation because the the Knights of Ren have been tracking them, and apparently you find out that Poe has a backstory that was previously unknown that he was a spice runner spice being the illicit drug of the star wars universe
2: yeah so we meet a we meet zori bliss like a low-level criminal on this planet who somehow knows poe from his past and they used to run drugs together um this is one of the things that that you mentioned that they really need to fix his backstory now or somehow add this to his backstory. She helps them sort of smuggle themselves through this city that's currently under occupation.
1: Yeah, and there's um, there's a, there seems like there's a little something between Zori Bliss and Poe Dameron throughout the movie.
2: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell if it was I couldn't tell how serious they were taking it, but I I liked how it became sort of a thread in the in the in all of her appearances in the movie, where every time he saw her, he got a little harder, you know. <laughs> They go to the droid hacker and they decide to um, erase his core memory, C-3PO's core memory, so he can reveal what's written on the dagger, Um, because they have to know what's on the dagger so they can continue their quest to find this Sith navigation tool to find the planet Exegol. Because they are still trying to get to Exegol to stop the Emperor and the Sith fleet from joining the battle and basically absorbing the First Order and taking over the galaxy. So the stakes are pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they successfully wipe C-3PO's memory. He reveals the location of the navigation beacon, which is Endor. And C-3PO is like a baby. He remembers nothing. He introduces himself to C-3PO. What did you think about this this plot device of getting rid of C-3PO? I, I don't know. I kind of liked it, I guess. Um,
1: I didn't care that much either way.
2: I sort of interpreted it as giving Anthony Daniels a death scene because it gave him that like gravitas moment of saying, I need to look at my friends one more time, mm-hmm. you know, and get that emotional beat in there. But it just didn't land that hard for me because he's a robot. Yeah. And, and you, you figured he wasn't going to be like, they wipe his memory at the end of episode three too. Yeah. So yeah. this isn't even the first time we've seen this.
1: Right exactly. yeah when he, when he said when he says it, his eyes light up smallest moment he's like, he seems like he's triple uh, zero from uh, Darth Vader uh, and uh, Dr. Afro Comics. We were hoping against hope, but they don't seem to want to put any comic stuff in any movies off to Endor, right. They find the wreckage some of the some of the wreckage of the the second Death Star it, it's it's in a sea and it's just the weather is bad.
2: A really choppy sea and they're sort of on a grassy plain overlooking it
1: and they come across or actually some people come across find them they're basically just kind of like these horseback riders and they're very you know they're very friendly you know they want to find out if they're first order or not. Ray takes one of their skiffs to the death star
2: and then well after she uses the knife knife turns out to be a map of sorts right mm-hmm. It tells her where in the death star the beacon is and then she takes the skiff and goes out
1: that's yeah well it was very kind of like goonies-esque it it didn't make all it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me why they would do that but once again we're just kind of like "Eh, we're going with it you know we can figure we can we can make up an excuse why they did that later
2: yeah so the whole the whole thing about the knife being the map the reason why that wouldn't work is that if she was standing anywhere else it wouldn't have lined up Mm -hmm. and she had no reason to stand there but you're right it's goonies Right, it's it's one hundred percent them finding like a, whatever the pirate ship they're looking for is. Yeah, you can comment in, you can comment on Facebook about how I couldn't remember the name of the goddamn pi- pirate ship in Goonies. One-eyed Willie. God, fucking damn it! There it is.
0: <laughs> Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What's
1: his
2: name? The pirate guy, One-eyed Willie. One-eyed
0: Willie. Yeah, he was the most famous pirate in his time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like, say it's, like, it's what you call your dick. Um, <laughs> you know, Ray just kind of abandons on um, everybody, and she wants to go by herself. And then Finn is in like super protective mode, and he wants to uh, go out. And but he uh, he ends up talking with one of the one of the riders, and he finds out that they're all former first order stormtroopers that they that they rebelled, and they're just they're they're free and you know finn this makes finn really happy because finding out that there's others who you know were able to break break their programming and you know and, and just um become free the first order and so he ends up taking their other skiff and following ray
2: and Can so, we pause for a second sure i love that detail i love that these people they run into are defectors I love that this gives Finn a community of like-minded people um, who experienced the exact same trauma as Finn did and came to the same conclusion. Finn's journey was very alone. He was on the finalizer when he defected and nobody defected with him. And she described a very similar scene as the massacre on jakku of the church of the force mm-hmm. um lor people except in their situation it wasn't just finn who laid down their arms but all of them and she said they didn't hadn't discussed it ahead of time it just all happened i love it i love mm-hmm. it because when when it happens in the force awakens like stormtroopers are stormtroopers right They're they're there to be mowed down but finn finn gave those people an identity and that identity was basically child soldiers, they're slaves. Mm-hmm. And does that make them more or less sympathetic? Right. Right. It probably makes it makes it should make them more sympathetic, but then we spend the whole movie just mowing them down. Right. right. And the fact that there's more defectors means that this is not a perfect system and that the, the, the people even in the first order aren't there under their own, Will I love it?
1: Ray gets uh, Ray's climbing in, inside of the Death Star, and it's it's pretty cool. I I, I enjoyed the uh, kind of the ring jumps and climbs and whatnot. And, uh, we saw it in 3D, so it kind of really really kind of nailed it. And she makes her way to the uh, to the uh, let me call it the throne room. I guess from from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's the throne room. And. She goes into a room that was just closed off, I guess. She, she finds the, uh, the Sith Wayfinder, but she also sees herself. And this is where she experiences her, the vision of her, uh, as you know, in the dark side with um, double-bladed uh, red, you know, like a uh, temple guard lightsaber. And she battles herself, like her evil self, and then she comes out of the... Uh, comes out of the room to find Kylo Ren there. With her traveling to get to the throne room, there's just absolute carnage. You don't see bodies, but there's stormtrooper armor everywhere.
2: I love that detail. Mm -hmm. I loved all the armor and the helmets in the hallway. I I absolutely love that. Yeah. Uh, Can I back up? Sure. So when they were on the planet wiping C-3PO's memory, um, they also rescue Chewie. Uh, We sort of glossed over that part, right? Right. Right. Um, so there's two two important things that happen. I guess three important things that happen. They go back to the Star story where Chewie's being held because Ray senses him on board and, and understands that she didn't kill him, that he's a prisoner. And so the team goes up there to rescue him. While they're on the ship, they're captured, but um, Hux releases them because he's the mole uh, who gave them the message originally about Exegor. The other thing that happens is Rey goes to Kylo Ren's quarters and they have one of those shared force experiences where they're fighting each other over a long distance mm-hmm. and Kylo Ren tells her her lineage that's right, uh, but, right so, so uh, she knows that she's related to Palpatine
1: Yeah, and he can only see her where he's at and she can only see him where she's at so he doesn't know where she is until they both end up smashing the the pedestal that Darth Vader's mask is on, and he sees it, and so right. that's when he realizes where she is.
2: And so she escapes. They escape on the Falcon, and they leave the the scavenger ship behind, or the Jedi hunter ship behind, uh, and then they're they're off to Endor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so back in back in the throne room, Kylo Ren and Rey face off with each other yeah. once again.
1: Well, because she stumbles out of the room and drops the the Wayfinder, he picks it up. And smashes it, and saying the only way to get there is through him, or is with him.
2: Yeah, because he wants to use, he wants Rey to help him kill the Emperor. At this point, Rey has had a vision of her sitting on the Sith throne. Yeah, with... As, yeah, as Empress. Mm-hmm. With Kylo Ren, right? Right.
1: Yeah, so they, they have a big like lightsaber battle. It... it um, somehow they work their way outside and he's there's there's some pretty great moves but he's kind of clearly winning and at a certain point you know Ray's just like either exhausted or she just and she's barely holding it together and this is when uh, I'm not exactly 100% sure what happens but Leia back at their base knows what's happening she taps into the force or she finally lets herself go into the force
2: yeah it's not super clear to me exactly what happens in this scene but basically What I thought was happening is she sensed either Ray or Ben in this fight or both and um, reaches out in the force to to them basically to like these are her children for lack of a better term Um, Ben is actually her child but she's treating Ray like a child at this point and she's trying to reach them and this is a distraction momentarily and this is the second head faint moment where I was 100% bought in Ray kills Kylo Ren mm-hmm. in this moment.
1: The and we should say that like right before right before like Leia does whatever it is that she does, Ky- Kylo Ren says that it, in an earnest kind of way that he can't go back. Pretty much saying that even if he wanted to he can't after what he's kind of after what he's done. He he can't go back. And then he has that moment and Ray pretty much runs him through
2: with his own lightsaber. It's very much the exact same it's very similar r- very reminiscent to me at least of kylo ren killing han
0: mm-hmm.
2: right it's with the cross-guarded red light lightsaber and kylo ren looks shocked and not like sad he, he almost looked like he was disappointed it was very it was a very beautiful acting moment for adam driver it was i was once again 100 a believer at this point i was like holy shit she killed kylo ren mm-hmm in like the first half of the goddamn movie too. Yeah, and like, like she's really sort of out of control. Uh, she ends up healing him, and then she
1: runs off and steals his tie fighter.
2: Yeah, and she she once again hints at their greater connection, right? So until so all the Raylo people can maintain a little bit of hope for a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, another thing I'm remembering is that I can't remember the term for it, but he said that that they're that they're connected
2: that is a dyad
1: a dyad that's something that the emperor doesn't even know because he's the grandfather or he's the grandson of Darth Vader she's the grandson of uh, Darth Sidious and so that uh, you know they're tied in the fo- in the force and so she goes off and he you know he's healed and then he has a vision it's of Han Solo and this I was not expecting Han Solo
2: you couldn't have convinced me that Harrison Ford was going to be in this movie if you showed me this scene before I saw the movie. Mhm. You know, this that's how unexpected this was to me. Right. And I was like, I and when he was standing there I was like, how the fuck did you get Harrison into a Star Wars movie?
1: You know, he's it's not Han Solo as a Force Ghost. It's you know, it's a memory, but I think it's also memory manipulated by Leia.
2: Oh shit, you think so? Yeah. Well, I hadn't considered that. So huh. that she's kind of helping him. I I viewed it I I viewed it as a sort of a th- a therapy thing where like a therapist says to understand your trauma you have to like confront your trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reenact Han's death to a surprisingly high level of detail, except for the actual death. Yeah, like Han so reaches instead- out, touches his face. He says the exact same line. I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't know if I'm strong enough to do it or whatever that line is.
1: But it's either before or after that. He said that I, you know, your, your son's dead. And you know, it was like, my son's alive. Kylo Ren is dead. Exactly. Just like you said. But instead of stabbing him, he takes the lightsaber and just whips it into the ocean. Awesome. But it's like, I don't know how they're going to play it. But yeah, I'm glad to see that he's, you know. You know, that he's let go. So he's, you know, there there there's something going to be cool happening with him.
2: I figured at this point that um, from here on out in the movie, Kylo Ren was Ben Solo, which meant that he was just going to become more and more Jedi-like and less and less Sith-like for the rest of the movie. The, the transition didn't have to be immediate for me, but I assumed by the end of the movie he would be redeemed at that point. Mm-hmm. Because Redemption doesn't. Redemption for Hitler isn't throwing his service revolver into the ocean. You know, he has to go on a journey still. Mm-hmm. And he does.
1: Right. Ben Solo, not Hitler.
2: Yeah. Ben Solo goes on the journey, not Hitler. So Rey is now terrified of herself, and she has Kylo Ren's TIE fighter. The next thing we see with her is she's back on Octu, the island where the first Jedi temple was, and she is burning um, Kylo Ren's TIE fighter. And basically, she's decided. Her life is now Luke's previous life, and she's exiling herself to the island to prevent her vision of her becoming um, the Sith Empress uh, from coming true. And she reaches in. She's destroying the TIE fighter, and then she reaches down and grabs Anakin's lightsaber and throws it into the fire as well. And Force Ghost Luke catches it.
1: Yeah, that was awesome.
2: Yep, and so I, I wholly expected Force Ghost Luke to be in this movie. Mark Hamill was billed yeah. in the movie, and so you, you assumed he was going to be in it because he had credits. And this is a perfect return of Luke.
1: It says, don't you know, that, that he was just, it was fear that kept him there. He uh, Then there's a pretty big reveal, which is that. He goes into his hut and gets a second lightsaber, and this was Leia's lightsaber.
2: Now, in did you all, think did you think this was Leia's lightsaber when he went and
1: got it? No, I thought it was his green lightsaber. Me too. This is another one of those retcon things. That's just
2: kind of like, what because. No, 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 no. We knew that Leia trained as a Jedi. Well, no, 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 not, not really. It's in Bloodline. It's in the book. It's in the book of Bloodline.
1: No, I, I disagree with you there. She, he, Luke, showed her some things just some basic some for me i interpreted that that he showed her just kind of some basics of of being a jedi um not actual like jedi training
2: um because i i we're not going to solve this on this podcast (laughs) i i disagree she she says genocides happen over less (laughs) Than this, (laughs) this is a divide
1: that could ruin our friendship.
2: Uh, Okay, well, let's since we're there, let's talk about the Jedi training scene.
1: Yeah, they're very um, they're very young um, because Luke is when they when they show Luke, they're both wearing helmets with like the blast shields down, and when you see both of them, they're they're their young selves, you know, um, probably a little bit after Endor. So. I'm guessing right after Endor, or maybe after the events of uh, Jakku,
2: or the Battle of Jakku. I can tell you exactly when it is. When? I found um, information about this scene that is probably going to be in the book, but couldn't be in the movie. The end... End of that scene, she tells Luke she's not going to continue her training because she's pregnant. What? I, okay, that's
1: I'm gonna have to piece together the timelines because it's not making a whole lot of sense.
2: It's very close to Endor. It's a it's basically six months after Endor.
1: Right, but they they made it seem like that like she got pregnant like right away.
2: Yeah, I think she did get pregnant close to Endor, and I think if she's three or four months pregnant, that's six six-ish months after Endor. So
1: maybe they're on Endor
2: for a while.
1: Yeah, they must have been. She and Han were
2: trying. So we find out that she did train as a Jedi, and Luke tells her to take both lightsabers to Exegol because she has um, Kylo Ren's TIE Fighter, which has the Sith Pathfinder in it, or Sith Compass, or whatever it's called in it. Mm -hmm. And the only thing she's missing now is a ship. And Force Ghost Luke rips his X-wing Red Five out of the ocean where it was abandoned previously. And the saltwater hasn't corroded anything, or if it has, it nothing important. You need oxygen to rust, and so things to underwater don't rust very fast. Shut up, science person.
1: Yeah, so she leaves Octu in in Red Five, and she's wearing the uh, Luke's helmet, and she gets there, and she's allowed. Uh, she's allowed through. By this time, the first order's there, and <clears throat> she lands, and um, she can. Wait, where does she land? Uh, she she lands on Exegol. Like.
2: Oh, she go- she goes directly there. I'm sorry, I was trying to figure out if she goes, if she went to the no, rebel base first, but no, she. You're right. She goes right right to Exicle. Right, and
1: she confronts Palpatine, and basically, what Palpatine wants is he wants her to strike him down. Because it's the way of the Sith, and then she will, she will gain his power and become Empress
2: or Emperor. So, so I wanted to talk. When I saw this plot in the theater, I'm sitting there listening to Palpatine explain this to Rey, and I was thinking, God damn it! I wish Jamie were here, because you you really like Darth Nihilus, right? Yeah, yeah, from uh, the, the the
1: from the second. Um... Knights of the old Republic uh, game,
2: yeah, and and you understand his powers better than I do. He is the forest vampire, right? Yeah, he's he's they call him like a wound in the forest,
1: and then he just like yeah he he does kind of like he's kind of like a
2: leech. So a lot of the powers we see Palpatine have in this last little third part of the movie, that's sort of what Darth Nihilus' powers are, right? He's like draining them and. Saying that he possesses all the power of the previous Sith, or that he's all of the Sith, or whatever he says.
1: Yeah, I don't remember too much about Nihilus, but he was just a very, he was very unconventional. He wasn't just a you know some guy who had dark side powers. He was just like, like I said, they called him just like a wound in the Force. It was just, it was just like a black hole of like nothingness almost. You know, like. Like he probably like had the mask because there was probably just like nothing there. Well,
2: that's a, that's an interesting concept. I think that's slightly different than what I understood Palpatine to be in this movie. But at the time, I was I was getting a lot of like Force Vampire vibes off of him. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. and thinking like like I wish I could talk about this with Jamie, and I had to wait almost twenty four hours to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I find it a little bit hard to believe that he was willing to go through this. But if he was if it was just be a thing where he ends up, you know, just that he would be alive in her along with every other Sith Lord. um, I guess that makes sense that he would be okay with that.
2: It makes me sort of wonder who's driving. Is it Palpatine or is it the dark side? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Is because the dark it makes sense if it's the dark side, the dark side's like right now I exist in Palpatine and palpatine has all these machinations and and the the manifestation of the dark side of the force is a reflection of palpatine's abilities and personality but really the pilot is like this supernatural thing that's just possessing people yeah i it, don't it sort of removes their agency though right
1: yeah i that's it's going to require more thought but i i think that he you know, it goes with him being kind of the Sith true believer, like at the very near the very end of um, Return of the Sith, where he tells Yoda that Darth Vader will be more powerful than either of them. So that like he maybe he, he realizes that he can't like he's either dying. He can't he can't he's not going to be emperor. He can't be as powerful as he was or whatever. He's just pretty much a husk, you know, kept alive by machines and the dark side.
2: Right. And so he might want that new vessel Mm -hmm. because the new vessel is like his his ticket to freedom in this point.
1: Right. Yeah. So which makes you wonder then, like, because she has to cut cut him down in anger, which makes sense because, you know, all the Sith, you know, they would kill their masters and, and more than likely in anger and thus gaining their power or whatever. I don't know. It's
2: Return of the Jedi all over again, right? It's him making mm-hmm. Luke to Luke to strike him down, right, or strike Vader down in anger. It's 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 quoting that movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, this is part of the ritual, right? And they they really codify this as a ritual. in This movie where there's like shit that he says, people are che- like his cult is cheering him on or something as he's like, oh yeah, doing this. But yeah. while while this ceremony is underway, um, first the the Resistance fleet shows up, right?
1: Yeah, like Rey left a um some sort of like as she was going through left a a beacon showing like how she got there. And so the Resistance fleet shows up and Chewie and Lando went to go you know, to go rally people.
2: Yeah, telling them that there's a that they have to do away with this fleet and recruit the army that they couldn't recruit at the end of the last Jedi. And the important detail here is that there's a MacGuffin again, right? And so while the fleet is in Atmo, they can't deploy their shields. And so they're basically vulnerable to attack, but um, they're going to basically rise up out of this planet. And this huge fleet all have guns attached to these star destroyers that are apparently powerful enough to destroy planets. Yeah. And so they're all like little Death Stars. And so you thought we were going to get away from Death Stars... (laughs) But we got 400 of them yeah. <laughs> in this one. The battle is raging up above.
1: And at one point, they're going to destroy this transmitter that was going to help the fleet get out. But they transfer control uh, of that comm
2: node or whatever they called it to the, to the head uh, First Order Star Destroyer. It's, it's competent tactics is what it is, right? They had a backup plan. And so when the resistance targeted one, they just switched to the other. Mm-hmm. It's very good tactics. And so I, I really appreciated the moment because it's too often in these movies where it's like, all we have to do is this one thing and then we'll win. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is always like blow up the simple antenna or whatever. Yeah, that's unguarded. Then, yeah, the unguarded piece of um, material, you know. Mm-hmm. And so Finn is riding hard with the other storm tro- with the other former stormtroopers. And they're like, we're going to hit it, and we're going to hit it hard. And then right before they hit it, the thing turns off. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it turned off. And they're like, there must be a second one. And I was like, hell yeah, like, finally. They go up to, oh, I think, is it the finalizer? I don't think it's the finalizer, but I could be wrong about that. But it, it is the command ship of the fleet. Right. And and it should be noted at this point, Hux is dead. And... Oh, we totally fucking skipped that. Yeah, like... Hux is unceremoniously shot...
1: Yeah, by being
2: a traitor. Uh,
1: for be um just a, a new character, uh Legion General Pride, after Hux says, you know, what happened, he just takes a blaster and just shoots Hux and he's like, "Oh, we found them all." <clears throat> he's an older officer, he's former Imperial. You know, he's he, he served the he was a loyal uh Imperial officer before, so he pledges uh himself to uh, the emperor.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's an emperor. He he's a former imperial loyalist, right? So of course the emperor's back. He's going to do whatever he can to, to be the emperor. And Hux's motivation for being the mole, which he was, was to humiliate Kylo. Mm-hmm. It was not he didn't care about the resistance winning. He didn't want the first order to lose. He just wanted Kylo to look stupid. Yeah. And that is so pitch perfect for that character. Yeah. You know, it's like he doesn't care what happens as long as as long as the person he doesn't like looks dumb.
1: Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, because they had him as a very powerful member of the First Order. But in this movie, he's he's not like numero uno. There's a lot of people who are equal, if not higher than him.
2: Yeah, they have that great scene in the conference room where Kylo says something like, I sense your uneasiness, General Hux about my appearance and he says, You mean the mask? And everyone and that woman next to him says something like, I like it. Right. Mm-hmm. So Kylo's surrounding himself with these yes men. And it's it's such a beautiful moment of like Kylo Ren's insecurity and how he's how he's like it's a general Mahdi scene where Mahdi insults Vader's religion and Vader chokes him. Yeah. In the Death Star conference room. That that scene replays here, except more violent Um, But it's, you're right, like, he feels, it feels like Hux has been marginalized or demoted or something by Kylo Ren, Mm -hmm. and Hux's revenge is to undermine Kylo Ren. Right. Right. And he dies, completely, pointlessly, just dies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, I just had finished uh, Aftermath, Armitage, you know, he's like the bastard son of Brendel Hux, the the commandant of the uh, Arcanus Academy, and just... You know, he was probably physically and emotionally abused by his father. Then Rax gives him command of the uh, the child soldiers, who end up becoming the first 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 order stormtroopers. And like he just becomes, you know, just kind of a brutal
2: and uh, kind of a vicious like child. It's the cycle of abuse problem, right? So he was treated shittily, and so when he gets a little bit of power, he domineers.
1: Mm-hmm. They land their landing craft. Actually, on the Star Destroyer, and they they're riding these I don't know what they're what they're called they're they're kind of like horses to try to uh, take out the the communication uh, node or array whatever, and then they're met with the resistance from uh, like Sith troopers, and I think this is the first time during th- this battle is like you see that like these. Star Destroyers are fully manned. They've got, like, all-new stormtroopers. Like, this is a different navy. Like, they're in different uniforms.
2: Yeah, it is It is gorgeous. The, the troop design is familiar and new at the same time. It is a fully realized army. And I was... You asked me earlier today, and I didn't respond because I knew that we were recording. What was my biggest pending question about this? Mm-hmm it might be where the hell did this army come from
1: i think that's probably everybody's because they're using old starsters i mean they may not be old but they're the old design except for the
2: they're their imperial class they're imperial class destroyers. they're not resurgent class destroyers at all these are the emperor's fleet i don't know who this is supposed to be manned by i don't know who that cult is that's like chanting in his like throne room yeah these are the questions. Like, aside from like Ray being a Palpatine, and apparently Palpatine having a son, just give me a Palpatine novel. Let James Lucino write a Palpatine novel, okay?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking that those might be like
2: uh, acolytes of the Beyond. Yeah, I would buy it. I I'm on board. Right? If you want to make you want to make that whole group of thousands of people acolytes, yeah, fine. I I believe that there are Sith Dark Side worshiping cults, and that's who helped him do this and who helped protect him and kept him alive and built these machines. And this is just one of Palpatine's many, many plans, right? And we're probably, to be blunt, we're probably in the middle of one of his plans in Mandalorian right now. Yeah. Right? With Baby Yoda and the cloners and all of that stuff. And maybe we can talk about that on an upcoming episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But <laughs> but I completely, I completely buy all of that right just let james lucino write a palpatine novel to fill in this blank tell me who the mother is right and when he was born and just just do it where did this army come from that's my biggest question yeah i mean they could very well be clones they could um, there was a cloning facility on that planet right yeah they're making snokes yeah, you're right. They could absolutely be clones. So, so yeah. <clears throat> the scene from the trailer,
1: you see where they're riding on pretty much like, we'll just say horses on a Star Destroyer. And then down on the ground, Ben Solo arrives. Uh, he's taken a TIE fighter. Um, I think he he must have found a working one on the Death Star.
2: A working TIE fighter? Yeah. That's a good call. I, I, I never gave any thought to how he got there, but yeah, he could probably find a working TIE fighter in the wreckage. Mm-hmm. Or something, but he goes to Exegol, and this is not Kylo Ren. This is Ben Solo. I think we should refer to him as Ben Solo from now on. I agree. And so the so the Knights of Ren, so Kylo Ren is basically rushing into the temple, and we haven't described the temple, but it it has a lot of design elements from the temple in Rebels on Malachor. Malachor has a lot of design elements, except it appears to be much bigger um, than the Malachor temple. And so Kylo Ren rushes in. And he jumps down the hole, and he grabs onto this huge chain. In a great funny moment, he says, ow. And then it cuts to the, the near future, and he's on the ground. And the Knights of Ren sort of surround him, right? Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't have a lightsaber. Ray has two lightsabers. But she's in the next chamber with Palpatine. Kylo Ren is facing, sorry, Ben Solo is facing off the Knights of Ren. And they have all the, all of their classic weapons. None of them are energy weapons like a lightsaber. But Ben Solo isn't doing great in this fight. Mostly because it's five or six against one. Mm-hmm. And so they do the Force thing where no matter where they are in the galaxy, Rey and Kylo Ren can coexist temporarily with one another. And that power allows them to pass a physical object between each other and we saw this, we've seen this before in The Last Jedi. And in this movie where Kylo Ren snatches the necklace off of Rey's neck. Where they see the Vader's helmet falling on the ground together. But she passes him Anakin's lightsaber mm-hmm. in in this manner. And he has a lightsaber and he's able to fight the Knights of Ren now with a lightsaber. Right, and he makes short work of them. Yeah, he destroys the Knights of Ren with this lightsaber. And so now he's free to join Rey in the throne room with Palpatine.
1: Yeah, and at this point, Palpatine realizes, you know, like sh- that she's well that she's not going to strike him down. And with Ben Solo showing up, he realizes that that they are a uh, was the term again a dyad a dyad. And he said that's something that hasn't been seen for I want say generations.
2: I think he says hundreds of years, but yeah, generations is fine.
1: And so then. What he ends up doing, he ends up sucking the energy out of them, force or life or whatever. And he starts to regenerate, you know, like his, his eyes aren't like the milky cataracts anymore. His, he was missing a few fingers and his hands just look like these zombie things and they come back to life. And he pretty much comes back to life. And it's just like, he realized, well, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to give up, you know, I can, I can, you know, I can live on.
2: Yeah, I sort of, the thread sort of lost me here with the Force stuff. And this is one of the moments where I was like, oh, is he a Force vampire like Nihilus? And I wish I understood how the dark side worked better. But it seems like he wanted basically a fresh body, and Rey was going to be that body. And when she wouldn't cooperate, he drained their bodies. And there's a few things that I don't understand. Why not just kill them, right? Why not just drain them all the way, right? Vampires kill people all the time in vampire stories, right? hmm And I also didn't quite... This is a brand new force power, right? And I'm not a big person that's against force creep, but at this point I was like, yeah, I'm getting mildly annoyed with the force creep. But I guess it's just the equal and opposite healing power. It's like, rather than healing somebody, he's just draining them, right? Right, so maybe I can maybe I can forgive it. I just I haven't had an opportunity to think about it and absorb it and see it again. Um at this point in the movie I was like, "Eh, I don't really like what he's doing." But the movie had already I'd already decided I liked the movie at this point. So almost anything could have happened.
1: In a very return of the Jedi kind of moment that he opened up like a a big sky window to show, you know, that the the resistance was dying and that the only way that she could stop what was happening was just to take the mantle. But now he's deciding like, well, I don't have to, I can, you know, because once I, the way I saw it is that he, once he saw, you know, them together, he realized what happens like that, that he, what they were, that he could pretty much suck the life out of them, you know, and make himself live again. And then he, you know, he could be emperor. He didn't have to, he didn't have to hand it over.
2: And yeah, in the in the James Luceno novel Plagueis, which is not canon, and this is why I want James Luceno to write the Palpatine novel, Palpatine is obsessed with his immortality. And so if he if he can basically create himself to be like a forest ghost that jumps from body to body, that's believable from a Palpatine point of view, but it's absolutely believable that he would just reanimate himself. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Mm-hmm. If he could get away with it. Yeah. So when he was doing that, I was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. Palpatine would 100% keep his own body, right? Yeah. Palpatine's probably hung like a horse. You don't throw away a good dick like that. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: And, well, he shoots, like, in a massive amount of uh, force lightning in the air. Like, all the ships go dead.
2: All the, all the resistance ships, yeah. ships. He is targeting thousands of resistance ships. Because the one thing that's happened at this point, Is that Lando and Chewie are back and they've brought everybody. Yeah. Right? There are thousands of ships now, and there's a great line where one of the officers says, I think it was someone was talking with Pride, or Pride says, um, Where did they get, where did they raise such a huge navy? And someone says, It's not a navy, it's just regular people. Mm hmm. Or something to that effect. That's not. That's not a direct quote, but that line was just like, "Hell yes!" Like, like this is populism. You know, this is like a, a real democratic movement. Like, people are just like, "No, we will not go. We will not become slaves again." Yeah. Right. We will. We will fight, and we will die in a battle to prevent ourselves from going back into slavery.
1: Mm-hmm. And you saw it in the in the trailer, but uh, the ghost can be seen uh the the, the ship from rebels whether hair is behind the wheel or not i don't know and as i pointed out i thought i saw the corvus from battlefront but
2: i'm not 100 percent on that and you so i i looked at a list of ships do you want to do this now sure so there is a uh rebellion era medical frigate There is the Corvus. There is the Ghost. There are ships from Resistance, but not the Colossus. Um, There are are trader ships from the Resistance. There are the ship that Leia shows up in, in The Force Awakens, on... um, Takodana? Takodana. There are several of those. There are uh, Mon Calabari ships. There are... I should have written them down, but I read it right before we started recording... Um, there's the ship from Fallen Order, um, that they fly around in. No! Yep, it's in there.
1: Whoa, (laughs) shit. Oh, God, what's the name of that ship?
2: Yeah, Um, I, I really wish I would have written it down, but I saw that and I was like, oh, shit, I hope Jamie doesn't know this.
1: (laughs) Well, that means at least, uh, one of them is, or, well, the, the, the non-Jedi captain of the ship I, I forgot his name already. Uh, the little fuzzy guy. Yeah. Um, whoa, oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. And so, and so they 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 do have a bunch of stuff from the other materials in that fleet, but um, people are still scrubbing the fleet, and they only show it for a second. Like it's such a it's such a tease.
1: There's a scene with uh, Wedge Antilles.
2: Right. And so, Wedge Antilles plays a big role in the aftermath books, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, and also in Resistance Reborn.
2: Yep, and Resistance, yeah, Resistance Reborn. They re- they reprise his role as basically Snap Wexley's stepfather.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh but... shit! Should we do this now? Oh yeah, might as well. Snap dies. Yeah. yeah. Snap is shot down and crashes into a star destroyer, and he, I guess, he's the Porkins sacrifice in this thing where you actually like see him burn up.
1: Like down on the ground. Palpatine shoves Ben Solo, and he falls. And Rey is still kind of, she's just kind of like laying there. And then she has all the Jedi are talking to her. Not all the Jedi, but a lot of the Jedi. I I sent you the list. I have Um, a list. Okay.
2: Do you want to do it? Go for it. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by both Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness. Their voices are both in... Her little montage of voices. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu, very recognizable. Uh, Yoda, so the actor Frank Oz. Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker talks to Ray. Uh, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. playing Kanan Jarrus talks to Ray. Uh, Luminara played by Olivia Diabo. Uh, Adi Gallia, uh, Angelica Perrin talks with her. Leia Secura, which is Jennifer Hale, it's a huge character in Clone Wars. and that's that's the list I have. Uh, so it's eight different actresses or I should just say actors, eight different actors um, all portraying um, Jedi in her. She gets up and he
1: palpatine stops you know the force lightning up at the ships and he points it at her, but she deflects it with the one lightsaber
2: yeah, she she force. She force calls Anakin's lightsaber back to her mm-hmm. and she's using Anakin's lightsaber to block the lightning. When he seizes the lightning, the resistant ships regain control and they resume their attack. Right. Right. Cause they were all basically in free fall while he was doing the lightning for those few seconds.
1: Yeah. And Palpatine tells her that he's, that she, that she can't win, that he's all the Sith. And, and she says she is all the Jedi. Yeah. And she has, but this time she has Leia's lightsaber and she's crossed them. And she's deflecting all the the energy back to him, and he eventually just disintegrates in a very um, Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was super graphic, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the the skin was like peeling off the skull. It was it was the resolution I was waiting for, but Raiders of the Lost Ark doesn't quite describe the gore <laughs> in, in like a very in a very like visceral way, you know, like. Raiders of the Last Ark is incredibly gory. This was worse.
1: Yeah, and and uh, with his destruction, kind of the temple, or at least around the temple, things just start to crash down, and pretty much all his, this, all the Sith followers, or the just the whoever they were, they're all killed, or at least a lot of them are killed.
2: Yeah. So there's sort of a cave in, but but when Palpatine dies, Ray also dies. Right, right, and so Ray dies in her attack on Palpatine. So Palpatine and the Sith throne explode. The temple sort of caves in, and the statues fall on the acolytes, and we we assume most, if not all, of them die in this sort of explosion. But Ray also dies, and so her her ashen gray body is just laying in the middle of this um, throne room
1: as the uh, the resistance is is starting to win. They're they, at this point they. They've destroyed the bridge of the of the uh, the first order ship, and now they're just targeting the they're targeting the big uh, kind of like the Death Star cannons on the uh, the star destroyers, and that's just causing them all to explode. And so they're they're starting to win. And Ben Solo comes out of the pit, and he goes to Ray, and it's like, and he's just like cradling her, and then he's just like, you could almost, it's almost like. I'm not sure if Adam this is what Adam Driver was going for, but he was just trying to like he's trying to like remember his Jedi training.
2: It's a it's a rough moment to watch because if if you if you allow the movie to continue to fool you like I did, I believed Ray was dead at this point. Mm-hmm. And rather than allow the heroine to escape, they were going to uh, they were going to do the harder thing and make Ben the survivor mm-hmm. with all the shitty things he's done. And give him a much harder path back. Mm-hmm. And this moment is incredibly heavy in the movie. Right. And what does Ben do? He heals her. He
1: heals her. But, uh, you know, and she, she comes back to life, and they just kind of, they're intimate, and they kiss. This kiss, this
0: kiss. It's
1: criminal. And then he dies, having transferred all of his life in force to her.
2: He dies and he fades away.
1: Yeah, and then Leia's body fades away uh, on the um, back at the Resistance home
2: base. Can I ask you a question about the kiss? Sure. What was your audience's reaction to the kiss?
1: Not, not a much. There might have been like, "Ooh," a little bit, but and my son was like, ooh. <laughs> but uh, it's like. So you know, so, raise pregnant now because that's how babies
2: are made, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in my in my theater, the woman I was sitting next to yelled, "Finally!" and half of the theater booed. <laughs> they booed them kissing um, or booed booed her for. No, booed booed the kissing. But mm. She didn't say "finally" loud enough for the theater. Here, I was just sitting next to this woman, ah. and she said, "Finally!" and then everyone's like, boo... It wasn't. I wasn't in a Raylo group, but the Raylo people got their their moment,
1: their brief moment. You know, and then he dies. You know, everything's hunky-dory. They've won. They go back to the base. Everybody's you know hugging and whatnot. And Leia had been holding uh, one of the medals. I'm not sure if it was Hans or um, Hans or Luke's. I'm thinking it's Hans because he gave Luke's to Maz Kanata
2: yeah so i was I was hoping we could talk about that too. um, it has to be Hans medal, right mm-hmm. because we already know what happened to Luke's um yeah. <laughs> and chewie's ended up with with danger right yeah but this is this is once again a fan nod. People don't read the damn comics, and so people don't know that chewie got a medal and he gave it to a girl, mm-hmm. so that's fine. chewie gets his medal, and I think basically the movie's over at this point, right,
1: yeah, just everybody's um, hugging and just like. Ray Poe, and Finn are both hugging and Lando talks to the 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 former uh stormtrooper uh, storm and it's unclear whether he's just kind of being fatherly trying to help her find out where she's from or he's trying to uh
2: get a little uh action. Oh, I didn't I didn't interpret it that way, but that's a that's a good read on Lando, I guess. Um <laughs> I just, I just, I interpreted that as more adventures, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like we'll find where your family was, right? You're a kidnapped child soldier, right. and we'll, we'll fix this, right? We can fix this just like we fix everything because now you have time to do those things. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're sort of in a post-scarcity environment where the scarcity was humanity, right? So now we can, now we can do all the things that we want to do, which is fix everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the final. The final little piece of the movie is Ray goes back to Tatooine. Is there anything before that we need to talk about? No. So Ray goes to Tatooine and goes to Lars' homestead and is looking at it. And she takes Luke and Leia's lightsabers and wraps them in sort of a leather pouch and buries them in the sand. And Ray says that she's Ray Skywalker.
1: Yeah. Well, she says, yeah, she says Ray.
2: And then the woman's like, Ray who? And she's like, Skywalker right and, and the thing the only thing we skipped over there is that she has a new lightsaber and it's made out of her staff mm-hmm. and it's yellow and this is the first yellow lightsaber we've seen outside of the cartoons I think did some who had a yellow lightsaber in the cartoons yeah all the temple guards oh that's right the temple guards yeah, yeah. And so and so it was a, it was a, a lightsaber reserved for the temple guards
1: mm-hmm. and I don't
2: know. I don't know my lightsaber colors, and I don't think that it actually means anything. So yeah,
1: um, yeah, it used to. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it matters anymore now.
2: But the but the first yellow lightsaber we've seen outside of the cartoon. hmm And so I guess that means that she's moving into Lars' homestead. Is that how you interpreted that? I, I don't
1: think that she is. I just think that she just went back. She went back to Luke's home, the, like the original, like where the Skywalker's came from to bury the. Yeah, you know, that's the only thing that's left of them, really.
2: Okay. Um, so, so we see Luke and Leia force ghost, and the credits roll. Yeah. Fade on the, so, the 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 you know the the double sons. Yeah, twin sons, but no French horns. Yeah. So we did it. We summarized the movie. <laughs>
1: In just about as long as the movie was.
2: Yeah. Oh my God! Look at that counter. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, everybody. No, but we um, you know we talked a lot more about like.
1: You know, like what was happening in the movie, than than they did. So I I hadn't seen any of the reviews until today because I, I wanted to look up on IMDb. And then I saw the IMDb score and I was like,
2: oh, okay. What's and the score? I don't know it. It was like 6.9 and Rotten. That's Toma- pretty pretty damn good as far as I can I'm concerned. And um,
1: Rotten Tomatoes, it's like it's like 50 something. So it's, I don't know, it's, you know, so, like, I'm, you know, like, I try not to let things like that get to me, because then, if I start thinking, oh, other people thought it sucked, so then, like, I'll just naturally kind of start thinking, start being critical of it.
2: And it's like, no. Here's, like, let's pump the brakes on that that talk right now. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's how I view this. I'm unsophisticated because I love Star Wars. Um... My preparation, you know what my preparation for this movie was. Yes. Uh, I listened to 39 audiobooks leading up to this movie. I know what bad Star Wars feels like. Mm -hmm. Right? I read 290 comics leading up to this movie. Right? I know what bad Star Wars is. Yeah. This is not bad Star Wars. No, There are things I hate about this movie. There are things I love about this movie. Overall, I think this movie is quite good. Yeah. I think the impossible task that they gave themselves, I think they stuck the landing and it's a Disney ending. Right? You have to understand that Star Wars is no longer an independent movie franchise where you can end a trilogy by setting a man on fire and then leaving him for dead. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have the Mickey Mouse ending. The Mickey Mouse ending is that Ray is fine. Right, and not only is Ray is fine, but Ray is now a Skywalker.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, which is one of the questions I wanted to ask you. What do you think the movie title means? The Rise of Skywalker. It, oh,
1: I I hate I hate because that's so, that's used so many times. The Rise of, of the Dark Knight. Or
2: I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you. While you puzzle this out, I'll tell you that out of every single movie title, out of the 11 movie titles we have now, I think it's the one that makes the least amount of sense from the plot of the movie. <laughs> and that's factoring in Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones at least had clones in it, and the they fan- did attack. The Phantom Menace? The Phantom Menace is probably the second worst title, but you can say the Palpatine was the Phantom Menace or that Maul was the Phantom Menace.
1: Mm-hmm. Probably the rise of Skywalker is that there's a new Skywalker.
2: Oh, or that there's... that Ben came back. Okay, you're you're so, you're selling it to me now. There are two people people who've been criticizing the movie to me, um, have been saying things like, Oh, there's too much fan service in it. There's too much and when people say there's too much fan service in the movie, I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry that there's Star Wars in your Star Wars but <laughs> But there's too much fan service in the movie, or there's too much, like, they, they tried to appeal to the audience too much, or whatever the hell that means. There's two moments that I think appeal to the audience in the sense of, like, just to remind people that they're watching Star Wars, or just to give them something to chew on. One is that kiss, because that is 100% just to make the Raylos happy. Mm-hmm. And two is this title, because nothing's more Star Warsy than the word Skywalker. Right. Has nothing to do with the plot, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a sexy title that they can give off at celebration before they finish the movie to say, like, it's about Skywalker. And like, there's a question in the back. Oh, yeah. That idiot with the podcast wants to know how you can call it Skywalker when you just killed Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, because you're going to you're going to make Ray change her name to Skywalker. The entire some junk trader on Tatooine asks her what her last name is the uh, yeah the entire skywalker line is dead yeah yeah that's like ben faded away right leia faded yeah. away luke faded away they're all dead anakin faded away they're all dead i guess anakin did not fade away his his body was his husk of a body was dragged onto a lambda class shuttle by luke but and maybe maybe he wasn't fully dead and he you know he faded away like on the trip <laughs> And Luke's like, God damn it. (laughs) Couldn't you have died earlier? Make this make it easier. Like, oh, you weren't dead yet?
1: I could have saved you. (laughs) I I I I was I was surprised that they didn't have Ben at the end. Like just having like I, I thought that they would have all the Skywalkers, like have like Ben, Luke, Leia, and Anakin.
2: Yeah, I guess I really wanted Anakin.
1: Yeah, so did I. I mean, I was glad that that Hayden Christensen provided his voice. I really wanted just a final, just like all the Skywalkers, just like just kind of like looking back at Ray, just kind of giving her the little nod of approval.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. It's like I said. There's lots of things. My opinion is going to change, I'm sure, upon rewatching. But I'll I'll say right now, I think nine is my favorite out of seven, eight, nine.
1: Yeah, I I think so. It, It. there's a lot. There's a lot in it, uh, a lot to chew on, chew on. I mean, a lot of fan service, but it's, I mean, what is Star Wars but like fan service? Um,
2: yeah, like I said, too much Star Wars in your Star Wars. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, and it's just kind of left me with kind of like how I was with the like at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It was like, well, now what? But you know, luckily there is. You know, like, there really wasn't a clear path forward, you know, like, Lucas didn't want to make any more films and, you know, thank, you know, whatever deity you believe in that he didn't because the sequel trilogy would have been vastly different and everyone would have hated it and would have begged for a
2: last Jedi. Um, you, know, the, you, the... you know, the deity we think on this show is the maker. <laughs> don't don't pretend <laughs> like we don't think the maker. Yeah. But you're right, like, people would have hated, like, we've, you and I have discussed his concept for this sequel trilogy, and it just makes me, it just fills me with rage to think about it, mm-hmm. right? It is not good. And I'm glad that I got a rehash of A New Hope, and then The Last Jedi, and then The Rise of Skywalker, rather than Osmosis Jones. Yeah. Or something like that.
1: Yeah, the Fantastic Voyage, whatever. Like That's nobody. It's like, it's like... It's like purposely just trying to, like, you know, like, uh, it seems kind of like, uh, you know, like him, like, like, well, like when, not to get political, but like when Trump was running for election, like, it seemed like he was trying to just, like, you know, like tick off as many people as he could so he'd have like zero supporters at the end, which that didn't happen. But that seemed like
2: what Lucas was going to do, you know, well, just. Well, he, Lucas admitted in an interview that people would have hated his sequel trilogy. Yeah. And he would have done it anyways. He's, he said they would they would hate it and they would hang him for it and he and he was gonna do it anyway. Or maybe he wouldn't have done it, but he but he had planned it. Right? Yeah. Because he thinks that that this is funny, I guess. I don't think well, he can, wasn't he? It's serious business. This is fucking Star Wars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he also wanted to uh, do that uh, Star Wars detours.
2: No, we're not talking about it. It's a cartoon <laughs> podcast, and we're still not talking about it. <laughs> We will so, not talk about detours. The, the, I'm kidding. We, we definitely will. but, the, the, but lo, the Looney Tunes of Star Wars. That's not even. Oh, my and, God. It's like Looney the Tunes. of Star Wars.
1: Yeah. Looney Tunes does not like age well, uh, unfortunately. And, it's too racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Uh, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, like, where to go now? And it's like, will, will we ever see Rey again?
2: No, I mean, we can talk about what's next for Star Wars if you want to. Um, so we're right in the middle of The Mandalorian. We're actually at the end of the first season of The Mandalorian as of now. Uh, we have got, as of the time of this recording, we just watched episode seven. There's episode eight, but there's a whole second season that's already been green light, green lit. We have the Kazian Andor and K2SO prequel show, and we have the Obi Wan Kenobi starring Ewan McGregor miniseries. Mm-hmm. That's for standalone miniseries, TV show slash Disney Plus media. There's supposedly also three movies in pre-production. These movies are not going to be connected to the Skywalker saga, so these are more of your standalone. Supposedly, two of these movies are Old Republic era. Yeah,
1: I could really go for. I could really go for like a the, the original Jedi Sith War, or like the formation would, of the Sith.
2: I would. I would eat that shit up. You know? Oh yeah, me too. Uh, in addition to that, there are multiple comic series ongoing. There are six novels that have been announced. There's still media. This is not the Dark Ages or the Dark Times of the mid '90s. We're still getting Star Wars, yeah, and good Star Wars. Yeah, The Mandalorian is very good Star Wars, and I know we we haven't been make, releasing episodes, but you and I are both fans of The Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, it's great. I'm. I, it's I was, not without its problems. Yeah,
2: I was starting to worry a little bit, and then
1: Episode Seven kind of kind of really brought me back in in a big way.
2: Yeah. Um and I think I think our concerns are pretty much universal in the fan community that that show is not without its problems, but it is as far as I'm concerned, especially after episode 7 crushing it. Yeah. Right. And crushing it in a way that is entirely surprising to me. Mhm. But in Fellonia I trust, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I mean Trapper Wolf.
1: <laughs> Trapper Wolf. Yeah. I'm just uh, curious I mean we should probably wrap this up But you know like People our age are the ones who are like Seems like we're kind of like the ones Keeping Star Wars going But it's not The, the kids like Like my son's age, your kid's age There's so much more Stuff out there For them to kind of glom on to There's all the Marvel movies There's Pokemon And all, and so like, you know, Star Wars isn't gonna be like this you know, like a religion to them, you know.
2: That, that you Yeah, know- it's hard it's hard to describe to people that there was a period in time period of time when this sort of material was scarce and not just star wars but any fantasy sci-fi material was scarce it just wasn't popular we didn't have lord of the rings we didn't have harry potter we didn't have pokemon like you were a star wars star trek guy a magic the gathering guy which i never was or a dnd guy and and this this buffet of like to be like an X-Men or Spider-Man fan in the 90s was weird like nobody would have an opinion about Spider-Man in 1995 no one have an opinion about like like who Leia should marry in 1995
0: mm-hmm.
2: or or like her kids like like this this era is very strange my kids love Star Wars but Like they love it because I put it on TV, you know. Mm -hmm. It's one of twenty things that they can choose from, and if I wasn't pushing it, yeah, they probably would ignore it. So it's it's very interesting to me about where it is in sort of our cultural makeup.
1: Yeah, and I hope that there's more things like the uh, Mandalorian uh, and ways for you know to capture the young, the younger uh, generation, and to keep it going. Because right now we're at a sweet spot where Star Wars is being made by fans of the original Star Wars—that people our age who grew up with it, who was just you know just worshipped it, you know you know maybe a little too much, you know—who got into movie making because of Star Wars. So you know, like, what happens, you know, to the next generation? Is it is it going to have a slowly? Is it going to be like Star Trek where it's going to have a slowly, you know, like? you know uh slowly uh you know less return on an investment as far as like you know it's like, like discovery like it's interesting but it's not great you know
2: and the movies I mean, I are think, good I but think not we're... great I think we're there, right? So there's two ways to go, right? You can make a discovery, or you can make a Picard. Mm-hmm. And the Picard, the Picard stuff is going to be the short mini uh And if you get two of them, you're lucky. If you get three of them, I doubt it. Right. And I would be perfectly happy if they just continued to. Um, Do these Obi-Wan six-episode or eight-episode mini-series and tell a good story uh, and just keep Star Wars going like that, Mm -hmm. right? But there is is an embarrassment of material out there. There's thousands of hours of audiobooks and thousands of comics and a dozen movies and three cartoon series and pretty soon three live-action series i'm still on board and i'll support it as long as i have money in my bank account you know
1: all right well that's the show thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it if you did think about giving us a positive rating on itunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this or tell a friend who's way into star wars that there's a couple of guys who describe everything about star wars in great detail online every few weeks and if you hate the show well go ahead and tell somebody you hate about the show because fuck them right <laughs> Again, thanks for downloading, and we'll be back with another podcast about Star Wars cartoons and general Star Wars stuff.
2: <laughs> thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. This is the way. Yeah, we got to start doing that shit, right? Yeah. I have spoken. This is the way. Yeah, I'm talking.
0: da-da-da-da.